Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, April 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Joe Biden is expected today to announce that he wants a second term in office, and Credit Suisse released its final earnings report ever. And the results could mean trouble for UBS. Plus, we'll talk about the growing fortune of the conglomerate behind Gucci, Dior, and Dom Perignon. LVMH is the king. I mean, the company has basically lapped the competition. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. There could be a Biden-Trump rematch next fall. Joe Biden is expected to announce as early as today that he's running for a second term as U.S. president. Former President Donald Trump has already put his hat in the ring, and he's currently the leading Republican candidate. Biden has been signaling for a while now that he's going to seek a second term. His official launch removes any doubt that he'd run again and also allows him to begin aggressive fundraising. Switzerland's biggest bank, UBS, reports earnings today. We'll get an idea of how the lender was affected by last month's banking panic. Now, we do know it has a tricky road ahead. It has to integrate Credit Suisse into its business. Swiss authorities persuaded UBS to buy its smaller rival in a hasty rescue, all while wealthy clients were pulling their money out last month. Yesterday, we got a sense of how bad it was. Credit Suisse said last quarter customers pulled out nearly $70 billion from the bank. Here's the FT's Owen Walker. But uh, if you just look at the wealth management business, which is really its uh, its strong point, uh, that lost 9% of assets in the first quarter, and it lost uh, about 10% the three months previously. So, I mean, that was really where the pain was felt. So, to lose that much money from its main business following on from the uh, the losses in the final quarter of uh, 2022 was really catastrophic for it. So Owen, what else did you glean from the earnings report? Did executives say anything interesting on, on the call? Well, this is quite a surprising um, or a very strange quarter result. In fact, there was no earnings call and there was no media call. It was literally a press release at quarter to six my time with the 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 numbers on there, some some brief commentary, no quotes from CEO or chairman or anything like that. It was literally, here are the numbers and see you later. This is essentially Credit Suisse's final uh, quarterly results uh, before it gets taken over by UBS in the coming weeks. Um, and so it was very strange from that perspective. Okay, so that's bizarre and almost anticlimactic in a way, given that it was its last earnings report ever. But did that press release we're talking about offer any new information about outflows from Credit Suisse even after UBS agreed to buy it? I guess what I'm asking here is, did the deal stop the bleeding? You know, the bank said outflows had continued after uh, the agreed takeover was announced and and has continued since then, even though it's at a, a lower rate. Now, this... I think this was widely expected and people people weren't surprised by that, but it does really underline the challenges UBS faces in taking over Credit Suisse. So what are those challenges, Owen? Well, these are two uh, banks which operate on a global scale and, and smashing them together and, and you know, laying off you know, tens of thousands of people. It's going to be incredibly risky, incredibly time-consuming and quite expensive, and that's going to take several years. Now, that's the main challenge facing UBS. 
But undoubtedly, another very big one is making sure they hold on to as many of Credit Suisse's clients as possible, and also, in fact, their own. Because when you have wealthy clients, they will often diversify their risk. They will often have bank accounts with a number of different wealth managers. Now, a lot of these wealthy clients will have had accounts at both banks. Now, the fact they are soon to become the same entity will mean that actually they probably want to diversify their risk. And so UBS will also have been losing client assets in the month since the the deal was announced. So we'll get a bit of a flavour, I think, on Tuesday about how badly UBS has been affected so far. Owen Walker is the FT's European banking correspondent. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much. Britain's chancellor said UK corporate taxes are too high. Jeremy Hunt made that comment at a summit with corporate leaders yesterday. It was a Conservative Party event meant to win back the business community after the damage done by Brexit. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was there too. Businesses are upset over the government's decision this month to increase the corporate tax rate from 19 to 25 percent. Hunt said he would like to bring down the corporate tax burden, but he added the way to do that was, quote, through growth. The French luxury goods conglomerate LVMH yesterday became the first European company to hit $500 billion in market capitalization. Its earnings and its share price have risen partly because of the economic rebound in China. To find out more, I'm joined by our Paris correspondent, Adrian Klasa. Hey, Adrian. Hi, Mark. So what's going on in China when it comes to luxury goods? China is the biggest growth market for the luxury industry. There's a huge growing middle class there. There's a big culture of wanting to purchase luxury goods. So that was really the driver of growth over the past, let's say, decade or so, or the past few years anyway. End of 2022, zero COVID measures as uh, COVID spread across China gave a lot of luxury groups a bit of a ding, including LVMH. Now for 2023, it looks like the China recovery is already starting to take off. Uh, We're starting to see that boost um, from the return of Chinese consumers, you know, going back to normal lives and going out shopping and going out and purchasing luxury goods again. Now, Adrian, how does LVMH compare to other luxury brands? Where does it stand in terms of the broader industry? (laughs) LVMH is the king. I mean, uh, luxury in general has done incredibly well. It's defied all expectations. I mean, even during the pandemic. So in the early days of the pandemic, you know, March 2020, the world locks down, markets crash. There was a bit of a dip there. And then surprising to pretty much everyone, luxury actually accelerated its growth. But LVMH has really led everybody by leaps and bounds. So the company which owns major brands like Louis Vuitton, like Dior, like Renard Champagne, all kinds of other um, brands, um, has basically lapped the competition. Um, It's doubled the size of Hermes, which is its next biggest French competitor in the luxury sector. Um, So this is just a group that is uh, growing by leaps and bounds. It's also the only European company that is in the top 10 global rankings of companies by market capitalization. So that kind of gives you a sense of the scale that we're talking about here. Okay, so back to the industry as a whole. We know China's been a big boost for LVMH. What do analysts see for the broader industry? Will the good times keep going? 
Yeah. I mean, so luxury um, overall is expected to still do very well in 2023. Some concern, though, about a slowing pace of growth in the U.S. The U.S. is the biggest market overall. And it, while it's still expected to grow, that's expected to be at a slightly slower pace. And, and mid, more mid-market brands are expected to uh, experience a little bit more pressure just because of you know inflation and all of the other big economic uh, trends that we talk about a lot at the FT. The luxury industry has been growing at just a crazy pace pretty much since March 2020. Most analysts expect that by sort of 2024, 2025, it will be a little bit more normalized. Adrian Klassa is the FT's Paris correspondent. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks so much. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.